Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Film Daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for July 26th, 2017. I'm Peter Serretta. On today's show in the water cooler, we'll be talking about what we bought at Comic-Con and what we wish we could have bought at Comic-Con. In the news, we're going to be talking about Andy Serkis's Jungle Book movie, who has gotten cast as Barbie, uh, the running times for Infinity War and Thor Ragnarok, and... Bradford Omen, who's going to be joining us, did a trailer breakdown for Thor Ragnarok, and he's going to share some things that you might have missed from that trailer. And in the mailbag, we're going to answer a question about the remaining leftover scraps of the summer movie season. So all that and more in this episode. With me now is Bradford Omen, who you know as Ethan Anderton on SlashFilm.com. How's it going, Brad? It is going good. I am still recovering from (laughs) Comic-Con. Yeah, we you flew into L.A. and we drove down to San Diego and, and we drove back and you stayed in L.A. for a night and then flew back to Chicago. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm my body. I mean, I, I had done D23 and then this. My body feels like it's in pieces. It's falling apart. Yeah, it's even though it's a, a convention full of nerds and geeks, it's kind of, you know, physically attacking merely because of all the lines you have to stand in and yeah, it's just, 
It's ridiculous. Yeah. And let's face it, I'm not an active guy, Brad. I'm, no, I'm sitting I'm, here. I'm not I'm, yeah, I'm sitting here at home in front of a computer most of my days. So standing in lines and walking around in, in the the heat and the artificial humidity of the nerd sweat is is, is uh, pretty tough. Um, and there are plenty it, of people who are in great shape that I know who are still tired and taxed after Comic Con. So yeah, and, and not to complain about what we do because what we do is is the great. It, it, I love it, but uh, watching these panels and having to basically turn what you're seeing into text instantly <laughs> and like not be able to enjoy it like it's uh you're it, it's it taxes your mind not just your body so anyways let's get into it let's get into the water cooler because we've already talked about what we saw at comic-con and what you know the footage and what we what was you know what we liked the most out of what we saw but we haven't talked about what we bought and I got a couple emails from readers asking what we bought. So I wanted to get into, you know, what, what did we buy at Comic-Con, Brad? What, what did you buy? Uh, well, one thing that we both bought, which we were didn't think that we were going to get our hands on, which is really cool, was Scott C., uh, also known as Scott Lava, uh, released his first ever two-pack of action figures inspired by... Actually, let's rewind. Scott Scott C. is this artist who we featured many times on SlashFilm.com. He does this series called Great Showdowns, which pairs up, you know, usually a bad guy and a good guy from a movie, and it's painted in this watercolor, unique style that is, you know, very unique to what Scott does. Um, And now he came out with his first action figure release. Okay, now go. So it's a two-pack of uh, a, a showdown that he's done before between uh, Dr. Peter Venkman and Slimer from Ghostbusters. And it had an extremely limited run. There were only 50 of these that were available. And we we got in line to get into the exhibit hall to try and get one and weren't sure if we were going to be able to do it. Thankfully, the booth that had the figures was at the end of the hall that we entered in. And we got there, and we each got one, no problem. And I, it was, it was seriously the number one thing that I wanted. Uh, it was expensive, and but I was willing to pay the money for it because it was just the thing that I wanted the most. Yeah, you, you are a huge Ghostbusters fan, so I mean, this means a lot to you. I'm a big fan of Scott C's Great Showdowns. I have a whole wall dedicated to prints of the Great Showdowns, and I have actually a couple originals. Um, so it, it was good to get my hands on this. Uh, Another thing that I have been looking for, looking for for a while, and I, you know, was hesitant to buy off eBay because you know you don't know who you can trust. Is one of my favorite comic books right now is the Brian K. Vaughn Fiona uh, series Saga, which is a sci-fi series by Image Comics, and I have always been reading it on Comicology on my iPad. So I don't have any issues, and I've never collected really issues of comics. I mean, I guess I did when I was a kid, but I I've always been kind of I wanted to have like a you know a a number one issue of something to hang on my wall, and I thought Saga you know is a beautiful cover, um, so I wanted to get that, and I was able to find one on the show floor. Actually, I was able to find a couple, and we, and Brad was with me. I haggled down um, some guy on the price. But I still spent a lot on Saga Number One, uh, and when I when I brought it back to the the condo and showed uh, our managing editor Jacob, and I told him how much I spent on it, 
he says, I have that too. You know how much I spent on it? And I was like, how much? And he was like, $2. <laughs> so it made me feel like a fool because this issue came out like just a few years ago, probably like four or five years ago. Um, but it, it's great, and I'm looking forward to putting it on my wall somewhere. What, what Peter, else did you pick up? Is that, is that the most you've dropped on a single item on the Comic-Con show floor? Oh, that's a good question. Huh. Um, I would say probably, yeah, I would say yes. Yes. I don't think I, I've, I've spent more than that on the Comic-Con show floor. <laughs> if, if, if Sideshow was selling stuff. Yeah, on the oh, show floor. Yeah. There has been times where I've seen stuff on Sideshow's booth and have gone home and ordered it. Not that I have a ton of Sideshow stuff, but um, right. I have a couple things. Like I have a District 9 gun, which I saw at Comic-Con, and I ordered it right after. But, yeah, I think that's the most I've spent. So, <laughs> Right on. What, what else did you pick up, Brad? Um, I was lucky enough to get my hands on... Uh, one of Mondo's offerings. Um, they had a new vinyl of the Hot Fuzz soundtrack with artwork by Jock. And it's one of the limited run, which is a Cornetto chocolate swirl vinyl. I think there's only a thousand of these that they were selling. And I was able to get my hands on one. And I, I wanted it really badly, A, because I'm a huge Edgar Wright fan and I love collecting unique vinyl. But B, I already have the Shaun of the Dead Cornetto strawberry swirl vinyl and so as long as they were keeping this going I wanted to have the complete collection so hopefully in whenever they have an anniversary for the world's end uh, I will be able to get my hands on what I assume will be the green mint corn uh, Cornetto swirl vinyl whenever that comes out see that's smart because I love jocks artwork on both of those and i didn't buy the 24 by 36 posters because they're huge and i just don't want to dedicate the wall space to them but i, I wish i had bought the vinyls because that's a i could hang those on my wall and that would be you know a lot more uh space conscious and I, by the way i did run into jock on the show floor actually twice once with you and another time and i asked him so are you gonna do the world's end and he was like no I was like, "What?" He was like, "I'm not just kidding. I'm uh, probably." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he has so, to. It would be yeah. it would be so upsetting if he didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, else elsewhere on show floor, I bought an InGen T-shirt that fister uh, that features uh, Mr. DNA, and I bought uh, the Godfather board game from Simon, which uh, I had pre-ordered on Amazon. And they had it in stock weeks before I was going to get it, so I bought it there. And um, uh, quickly, I've been in kind of a uh, custom artwork kick. Uh, you know, I have a lot of prints, but I don't have a lot of originals. And two of my favorite artists were on the show floor. Katie Cook, who does... She kind of does, like, these uh, illustrations for children's books. You might know her if you've seen the Star Wars from A to Z book, which features, like, on each page. It's like, you know, D is for droids, and it has, like, a bunch of droids. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen that, but that's her. Uh, and she, I always see her on Artist Alley. I always love going through Artist Alley. And um, she's always doing custom painting for $10. She'll do a custom painting for you. It's it's small. It's on, like, a really small card. And you got to wait over an hour for it. But I, I got a uh, custom painting of uh, me, my girlfriend Kitra, and our French Bulldog, Pixel. And the other thing is I commissioned uh, one of my other favorite artists, Patrick 
Bellastros, I think that's how you pronounce that. Uh, he's famous for doing these like 25 cent heroes. You know, it's like these like movie characters, like but as kids. And I kind of came up with this idea of it would be cool to have some of my favorite directors as kids, like hanging out, shooting like a Super 8 movie together. And I gave him a list of directors. I gave him a list, of, I think, about six directors. He narrowed it down to four, and he, he, he uh, you know, drew it and did some, uh, like, coloring work on it over Comic-Con. He did during Comic-Con. I'm not sure how he found the time because he had a line out the door. Uh, but you can see that on my Instagram. You can see that on uh, at Slash Home on Twitter. Uh, and I love it. And uh, and it uh, n- now I'm thinking about coming back to him next year and, and doing more directors, <laughs> continuing the series of original print or original artwork from him to me. Was there anything else you bought that you, was was cool? Yeah, uh, we went to the Leica Experience, um, in, which, which we actually got to go to before Comic Con even started. And they had some cool memorabilia there from their movies, uh, Coraline, Paranorman, The Box Trolls, and Kubo and the Two Strings. And one of the things that they had there that I wasn't expecting was they had some copies left of the limited edition Coraline vinyl, which has uh, this, the pink and blue swirl that makes it look like the, uh, the doorway that Coraline goes into to go uh, to the other side. Uh, so I picked that up. And then Diamond Select Toys also had two Ghostbusters exclusives at the convention this year. Their their Vinnie Mates line, they had a toasted Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and a Glow in the Dark Slimer. Each of those, they only are making like 2,000 of each, I think. So I was able to, to pick those up as well. Well, that is cool. We should move into the news because we're already 10 minutes into this thing. Um, well, hold on. Wait, wait. Hold on. Let's oh. do the Because I, I like this question. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. We had a question. Um, so, and the question is, this was another email I received, um, a person didn't want to name, uh, mention, and that was, uh, what do you wish you could have bought at Comic-Con? If you had all the money in the world, what one thing, but I don't think we can narrow it down to one thing, but what, what, what would you have bought at Comic-Con? There's, there's two things that I want. One is the Sideshow Collectibles DeLorean Time Machine. It yeah. is an incredible... Just and by the way, that's by Hot Toys, but yes. Yeah, 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 so. Uh, it's and that's incredible. the second one, because they've already produced the first one. This is for part two, and it has the, uh, you know, the, the wheels that convert and the Mr. Fusion. So it has, like, a bunch of updates on it. And I, 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 I need it. I'm not sure where it can fit in my room, but I need it. What, what, about, uh, what else? I would find a place. The other thing is a similarly sized, incredible vehicle collectible. Uh, the toy company Blitzway just came out with their sixth scale Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters that actually fits the sixth scale figures that they came out with not too long ago. And it is a gorgeous collectible. It has amazing detail in it. It's, it is shiny and sharp. The figures look so cool inside of it. And the figures themselves, it's the first time I had seen them in person, look amazing too. The likeness of the actors is unbelievable. And so... If I could get the Ecto-1 and have all the figures with it, that would just be, like, if that was the only Ghostbusters collectible I could buy for the rest of my life, I would probably be happy. And you say similar in size. It's, like, three times the size. That thing is gigantic. I think it, the only reason it's bigger is because that that kind of car in real life is bigger than the DeLorean. Yeah. And I love how the uh, Ecto uh, packs, you know, slide out just like in the movie on, like, the yeah. journey kind of thing. and. In the back, uh, that that is really cool. We don't know the price on that, and I'm sure it's going to cost 
a lot of money. Um, things I saw on the show floor. Uh, EFX is going to be producing the Darth Vader helmet from Force Awakens. So, you know, the crushed, uh, burnt Darth Vader helmet. Uh, oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, it was on the show floor. They didn't have a price for it yet. But um, if you remember, Star Wars or Lucasfilm launched this thing called Prop Shop, which they were selling that and a bunch of other stuff props made from the movie uh, made by the people that made the props from the movie uh, that shut down like quickly not many people got their the stuff they even ordered and now efx is like picking up the slack and they're actually going to fulfill the orders and that was one of the things i always wanted so i don't know what the price is going to be from efx but it looks cool yeah another I want thing that. another thing i want is uh hut toys is making a life-size baby groot with uh, I think it's three different replaceable heads, uh, you know, variety of arms. I mean, I mean, he's only like a foot tall or whatnot, but um, it would be cool. To, I love life size stuff, and and that one is one of the rare life size things that could fit in my collection and not take up that much space. Um, and lastly, I would say Sideshow has the statue of Thanos um, from Infinity Wars. Um, from the comic, I should say. So he has the, the armor on, and he has the Infinity Gauntlet, which the the gems are glowing, and it looks super cool. And uh, I entered to put my name in to, to win it. I haven't heard anything back, so I probably am not going to win. But um, I'd like to buy it, but I'm, I'm kind of hesitant. I, I might want to wait until the movie comes out and see that you know Thanos is not... Um, <laughs> one of the worst bad guys in Marvel history before buying it. But he, it looks so cool. He's sitting on his throne. Um, I'll, I'll leave a link in, in the show notes. Um, uh, did you have anything else that was on your wish list? No, I think that pretty much covers it. That is it. Uh, what's the likelihood that you'll actually buy any of this? Honestly, like I would really like to look into how much it was going to take to get the Ecto one because between, <laughs> between when it comes out and, now I will probably be able to uh, get each of the four Ghostbusters figures, and so yeah. if they have a payment plan, I might be able to work it out because I don't I don't know if I can pass up on that. That's like the best Ecto one I've ever seen. I'm afraid the shipping on something like that is like in the hundreds of dollars alone. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Okay, let's move on to the news. Um, first up in the news, uh, there's another Jungle Book movie. It was actually made at the same time, or maybe even before, uh, John Favreau made his Jungle Book movie, uh, and it was made by Andy Serkis. Um, and honestly, I thought this movie was never going to come out, because I keep on hearing about it, Andy Serkis keeps on talking about it, but um, you know, we've seen nothing from it. But Serkis uh, assures us that it's coming out, and by the way, I, I saw a person on our Twitter feed uh, said that they got invited to a test screening of it, and it has now the name Mog- uh, Mowgli? Mowgli? Is that? Mowgli. Uh, Mowgli Tales from the Jungle Book, and it's directed by Andy Serkis. Um, but anyways, in our story, which Jack Drew wrote for SlashFilm.com, um, has some quotes from Andy Serkis that he gave to Screen Rant, and he basically explains that his, this Jungle Book is much different. That they're using performance capture, you know, John Favreau didn't. There's using was shot in location with real locations in South Africa. Uh, that um, the actors played animals as to as opposed to just voicing the animals, which John Favreau did, and um, that their one is going to be darker and more 
closer to Kipling's world in the books. Um, so he thinks it's going to be, you know, a lot different than what we saw in John Favreau's The Jungle Book. Um, I'm not sure there's, you know, an audience for two Jungle Book movies out there, but uh, if he seems to say that this is not really going to be a kid-friendly Disney kind of movie. Um, if it is dark enough, maybe it'll be a, I mean, what do you think? Uh, you know, I'm kind of mixed. Like I, I'm not necessarily clamoring for a new jungle book movie, but I'm also fascinated by the kind of work Andy circus does with motion capture and you know how he's gotten other actors to do incredible motion capture work as well. So there might be something fascinating to see here, at least as far as how they pull off the effects and shooting on real location. But they, they also have some good cast there. Benedict Cumberbatch as Khan. Uh, they have Christian Bale, uh, Kate Blanchett as a Ka, uh, Naomi Harris, Tom Hollander. Uh, so, I mean, there's some great talent. And Alfonso Cuaron, one of my favorite directors, helped out um, a little bit with the filming. So I'm excited to see what it what it is. Um, but we should move on to... Uh, Let's get back to the superhero news because, you know, Comic-Con just ended and there's a lot coming out of it. Um, Collider talked uh, with Taika Waitiki and Kevin uh, Kevin Feige. And, you know, he's all Steve, my friend Steve's always asking about running times. He, he just cares about, you know, his time so much. He wants to know how long the movie is. What did he say? Well, for Avengers Infinity War, uh, there's no exact running time yet. But apparently the current cut is over two and a half hours, which would make it the longest movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe lineup. Uh, up until now, the longest movie is Captain America Civil War, which clocks in at two hours and 27 minutes. Yeah, just under two, two hours and a half. And I think Joe Russo said that it's going to be at least two hours and a half, if not more. Yeah, he says two and a half, two and a half plus range. So it could be longer, which honestly... I'm I'm fine with because we're we're talking about a movie that's going to have a huge array of characters in it, characters who have all gotten their own movies before now, and if they're all going to share the screen and they're all going to partake in this battle against Thanos, it you know it has to be a long movie to tell, do the story justice. So it's not surprising, and if anything, I think it's good news because I think fans want to make sure that they don't feel shortchanged when it comes to seeing this huge story play out in theaters. For sure. Um, but there's also Thor Ragnarok, which yeah, it, it turns out might, might be the shortest movie in Marvel history. Yeah, Thor Ragnarok is apparently has a, a current running time of around 100 minutes. Uh, at least that's the cut right now. And Taika Waititi was only making an estimate. But that would make it the shortest movie because the uh, before now, it's been The Incredible Hulk around 112 minutes, which is just under two hours. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, too, because on the other end of the spectrum, you don't want a story to overstay its welcome. And if Taika Waititi thinks that he's got what he needs in that shorter running time, then there's no read, no need to extend it just so that it fits the usual running time of, you know, sitting a little bit over two hours. And when you're dealing with a director like Taika, whose previous movies have been right around an hour and a half, if just a little bit more sometimes... Uh, it's not surprising that he knows how to make a swift movie and just get the story out there and not waste any time. Yeah, and and it looks like from what we've seen of it, uh, Thor Ragnarok is almost a comedy. It's almost like a sci-fi comedy, and uh, it definitely has his uh, sensibilities, and I feel like it, it's going more for fun 
than dramatic this time around, I think. And I think for a fun movie, you you kind of want it to be around the 90-minute, 100-minute uh, area. On the other side of the spectrum, what you said about uh, Avengers Infinity War, this movie looks like a sprawling epic. I mean, we we know that one scene has, like, you know, a few dozen heroes in one scene alone. I'm not sure how you're even going to service all these characters in this one story. And two hours and a half sounds almost short to me for, for what this is. But uh, we already know that this is, for all intents and purposes, the first half of a larger story, even though they're not calling it part one, part two at this point. But let's move on. Uh, Barbie has been cast. Um, originally, Amy Schumer was set to play uh, Barbie in Sony's movie. And it now seems like Anne Hathaway is in talks to play the toy character turned live action. Um, you know, I, I had been hearing about this for a while. I think I told you this over the weekend before it broke that Anne Hathaway was was, was in talks to play this role. Uh, I just couldn't report it. The uh, I don't know. It, it, it's I'm I'm not saying Schumer was a good choice for this, but I don't think Anne Hathaway is a good choice for this. I don't think I. I know this. What do you think about this, Brad? What is is Anne Hathaway a good choice for Barbie? I'm I'm really not sure. Anne Hathaway is a is a great actress. She I don't want to take anything away from her as far as how she can become a character and the different roles that she's done, but there is something about her that just doesn't feel like it fits this kind of yeah. mold. You know, like uh, Amy Schumer casting kind of made sense because she's you know she's she's a pretty comedian, obviously. Um, and it's, even though it's obviously it's easy to change this kind of detail, she's blonde and she fits the the profile of uh, a Barbie that's you know not supposed to be just like a, this flat out you know supermodel kind of person who you know fits in the expectations of what you think uh, you know a, a girl should should be you know. And we should uh, say the the script follows a woman who slowly awakens to the fact that she doesn't fit in this perfect land of Barbies. And right. she and she likes, you know, just like the other Sony movies, Smurfs and emojis, she journeys to the real world and discovers that she's unique as an asset because Sony just tells the same movie over and over again. And it's a fish out of water tale in the vein of Big and Enchanted. Um I know we we previously did a, a piece on Slash Home of like our top eleven choices. And I think if you go to that piece, there was a lot of good names in there that would have been better choices. You know, Jillian Jacobs, uh, even, you know, Kate McKinnon, or I forget who you were championing on that list. Aubrey Plaza, I think, would have been perfect. My favorite decision was either uh, Mindy Kaling or Jillian Bell. Oh, yeah, she would be good. Jenny Slate would have been good. Anyways, you can check out that full list on SlashFilm.com. But we should move on because I'm not even sure if people care about a Barbie movie. I'm not sure if the Barbie movie is even for us, but it seems like they're, you know, it was originally written by Diablo Cody. So it seems like they're going for a more adult, edgy audience than just little kids. Moving on, speaking of features on SlashFilm.com, you wrote a trailer breakdown for Thor Ragnarok, which was a trailer that premiered at Comic-Con this weekend. And you finally got home, got to look at it, got to, you know, sift through each frame by frame. Um, you know, I sat next to you while you were doing it and you were, you know, putting some, some heavy work into it. Uh, and when you do that, we get to speculate, we get to notice, you know, things on the side of the frame that people might not notice, whatnot. Uh, 
what did you find? What what are some of the coolest things that you might have found found that people watching the trailer just casually might not have noticed? That might not be like you know gigantic spoilers. You can definitely glean some story details here, even though it's not entirely clear how everything will fit together. But it's possible to start piecing together th- certain things that are going to happen and how how things will unfold. Um, one of the things that is cool is that you kind of get a a brief history of Valkyrie and what she used to be before she became this bounty hunter on Sakaar. Uh, Valkyrie is a character played by Tessa Thompson, and in comics she's this asgardian warrior she's um very powerful she's and she's sort of a kind of a a companion to thor in a way and how strong she is and how respected she is so it seems kind of strange to see her on a planet like sakar as this bounty hunter who you know isn't doesn't seem to be necessarily respected or anything like that and but you get you get to see in what appears to be a flashback her riding on the back of a flying horse with a whole bunch of other warriors just like her flying towards Hela, the goddess of death, played by Kate Blanchett. And it seems like there'll be some part of her history where maybe she fought Hela and they didn't win because the previous teaser trailer had a shot of her and some of the other warriors falling out of the sky with their horses. And so it seems Hela might defeat them. Maybe Odin banishes her or something for failing Asgard. And so she holds a grudge against the city, which may also feed into why she captures Thor and takes him to the Grandmaster as a gladiator contender. Um, So I think that we're going to see an interesting dynamic with her and her history with Asgard and how that affects her uh, relationship that will unfold with Thor. Um, Something else that was interesting to note is that you see a couple shots of Loki and Thor and Hela flying through the Bifrost and it seems like that might be how Thor and Loki end up stuck on Sakaar because Hela is flying through the Bifrost right behind him, and you see a shot of her knocking Loki off whatever path they're on. And so I wonder if she, in an effort to keep them away from Asgard, knocks them out off course, and that's how they end up on Sakaar together, albeit in separate positions since Thor ends up as a gladiator contender and Loki ends up sitting in the Grandmaster's uh, skybox. For sure. Um, well, you can read Brad's whole article on Thor Ragnarok, uh, the whole trailer breakdown, which I think, you know, was what, 3,000 something words or something? <laughs> it's a lot of words. It's a lot, a lot of, of words. words. But it's also a lot of pictures. So don't let it scare you. If you want to see some pictures, just like look at the pictures. You can do that as well. Um, but let's move on to the mailbag. Mitch from Maryland asks, with summer movie season drawing to a close, if you could only see two new movies for the rest of the summer out of those not yet released, which two would you see and why? Um, I would, my picks would be, well, it's interesting because he doesn't say, he says out of the movies that haven't been released, he doesn't say the movies that we haven't seen. And we've definitely seen some movies that are coming up like Ingrid goes West and Brigsby bear. And those would be on my list because I know they're good movies. Uh, but I, I'm assuming he means movies we haven't seen. Uh, so I would I would have to pick Atomic Blonde in the Dark Tower. Atomic Blonde because I saw that action scene that everybody's talking about. It's like this one take wonder of an action scene, and it's you know, if you saw what uh, they did in John Wick, it's like that on crack. It's awesome. 
saw that at Comic-Con, and that totally sold me on the movie. I need to see that movie. On the other side of the hand... Uh, uh, on the other side of the coin is the Dark Tower, which looks terrible. <laughs> but uh, it seems like it's going to be one of those movies like The Mummy that you have to see to be part of the conversation. Um, you know, it's 95 minutes, but it's based on, you know, a book series that's, you know, can't even fit on my bookshelf. And our friend Jermaine, who used to write for Slash, <laughs> was at the Dark Tower party at Comic-Con. And they, they had a photographer taking pictures of you know, people in front of the Dark Tower and the photographer was telling them to uh, act scared of the Dark Tower when the whole story about the Dark Tower is about a guy trying to get to the Dark Tower. (laughs) Um, So it seems like the people in charge of the party that's promoting this movie didn't even know what this movie's about. And I doubt that they're even going to show this early to press, so I'm probably going to have to pay to see it. Um, And I will probably have wasted my money, but I want to see it. So Atomic Blonde and Dark Tower, what are your two? Uh, I'm actually right there with you as far as Atomic Blonde is concerned because I was also extremely impressed by They only showed us half of this incredible action sequence that takes place in a stairwell. And Charlize Theron is just kicking major amounts of ass. Uh, it's, just, it's, inc- it's an incredible action sequence, and I can't wait to see what the entire movie offers. Um, but for me, my other movie that I was, uh, pick is Logan Lucky which is Steven Soderbergh's new movie. It's uh, a heist comedy, almost like a redneck Ocean's Eleven, if you will, with Channing Tatum and Adam Driver teaming up with Daniel Craig to pull off a heist at a NASCAR race. Um, and so I think it looks hilarious, and I think it, it just looks like a fun way to end the summer. So that would, that would be the second movie that I, I would pick to see. Yeah. And I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, but our own Jack Drew saw that movie and loved it, or really liked it a lot. Um so that I don't know what that means because he also thought Bright looked amazing. So <laughs> um, uh, I'm not sure if his taste in movies is is always one that is I agree with, but I always like reading his stuff. Um, so that, anyways, that does it for today's episode of Slash Film Daily. Uh, Brad, where can we find more of your work? Slash Film, also on uh, your podcast. What's your podcast? Yeah, my podcast is called Go Flick Yourself, F-L-I-X. And uh, actually, the day that we're recording this, I'll be heading out soon to go record a special live episode for what will be our 50th show. So that's going to be a fun one to listen to. And you can also find me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Anderton. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, as always, you can subscribe to Slash Home Daily on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher. Uh, you know, Go to daily.slashhome.com, and you can get links to all of those. Please, if you like the show, go to iTunes. Leave us a review. Rate the show. That helps get us out there. Tell your friends. You know, Share this on social media. As always, to send a letter to the mailbag. You know, just shoot us an email at peter at slash com. It goes to me. Uh, hopefully we'll use it. If we use it, please include your name and general geographic location like Mitch did. And uh, you'll be mentioned on there. Uh, we can't get to everything. So uh, I apologize if we don't respond back to you or we don't use your question. But uh, anyways, thanks for listening. And we will be back tomorrow with more Slash Home Daily. <laughs>